0: 2 in verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Now, Paul instructs the Ephesian believers to pray for all men, kings and all who are in authority. For what purpose? So that they could live a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. A second reason why they should pray for their government was that the gospel was that the gospel may continue to go out to the lost. Listen, we want people in office who will make it possible for the word of God to continue to be given to the lost souls. This should be our concern and our prayer. We should pray that our leaders make right decisions. All of this is good and acceptable in the eyes of God, our Savior. He goes on to say that there is only one God and there is only one mediator between God, the father and mankind. And that is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus gave himself a ransom for all. In other words, he paid a price for our redemption. Jesus Christ was the ransom. Then Paul says that Jesus was to be tes- testified in due time. Listen, from the day of Pentecost until now, Jesus Christ is being declared as the ransom, our Redeemer, as the Savior. Of the world. He goes on to say that he was ordained a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. He not only gave the Gentiles the gospel, but he taught them also. And he did it in faith and in truth. Look at verse number eight. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, nor of gold or pearls or costly array, but which become it women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. But to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. First, Paul addresses the men concerning public prayers. He wanted them to pray, lifting up holy hands. Lifting up holy hands was a custom practice in the early church. They would pray standing with hands outstretched and the palms upwards. It is believed that depicted uh, the attitude of Jesus upon the cross. It revealed the dedication in the lives of those praying. Holy hands means dedicated to God's service. Hands which did not touch the forbidden things. Secondly, he instructs them to pray without wrath. In other words, without anger in the heart. Listen, bitterness in a man's heart is a barrier which hinders his prayers from reaching God. Then he tells them to pray without doubting. We must take all of our prayers to God in complete confidence that he hears and answer prayers. Then he says in like manner. In other words, he wanted the women to pray in public in the same manner, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And they were to do this with the proper attire on. The loose, ungodly women of Ephesus dressed elaborately with the braiding of the hair. Paul didn't want the Christian women at Ephesus to be identified as loose women. He wanted them to dress differently according to their profession of holiness. Now, is there a set standard on how every Christian woman today should dress and wear their hair? The answer is no. The standards of dressing given here by Paul to, to, to the Ephesian Christian women was necessary for them according to the culture they lived in at that time. These standards were by no means permanent for all we must understand that some passages of scriptures ought to be kept in its in its uh historical context there are no listen listen to me listen to me good there are no sets dressing standards for christian women for all ages right now the culture in america differ from the culture in china Japan, France, Germany, Italy, uh, Africa, Australia, and so on. In America, our culture says that men wear pants and women wear women pants, skirts, and dresses. In France, their culture allowed men to wear pants and skirts. During the days of Moses, the men and the women wore robes. The men wore robes that were made for men and the women wore robes that were made for the women. Are we to dress like they did during the days of Moses? Absolutely not. Therefore, dress standards of a particular time in history cannot be set as permanent for the rest of the church. Now, since there are no set standards of dressing for all ages, what is our guideline? The book of Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 5 is the guideline scripture for all ages. It is the guideline scripture concerning dressing for all Christian men and women to live by in any culture, in any age. Look at Deuteronomy 22 and five says now the, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. In other words, men are to only wear clothing that are made for men. And women are to only wear clothing that are made for women, listen, within the culture lived in. And among the clothing made for us to wear, we must select the ones that best fit our profession of holiness. Now, who determines what is appropriate or not appropriate for us to wear? The Holy Spirit is the only one who determines that. He will let us know what is or are not appropriate for us to put on as Christians professing holiness. Then he deals with yet another issue that needed to be dealt with in the Ephesian church. He says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Notice that Paul says, let the woman, which is singular, In verses 1 and 2, Paul wanted everyone, which is plural, to pray. In verse 8, he addresses the men, which is plural. In verses 9 and 10, he addressed the women, which is also plural. In verse 15b, we shall see him again addressing women, which is plural. But in verses 11 through 15a, he addressed a particular woman. Verses 11 through 15a says this again. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived uh, was in the transgression, notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing. Now, I believe that Paul was singling out one particular deceived female teacher that was in the church at Ephesus. She was spreading the doctrine of the Gnostics. She was spreading one of the Gnostic fables concerning Eve. This particular fable said that Eve was created before Adam and that she actually liberated the world by listening to the serpent. Paul silenced this particular woman, not because she was a woman, but because she was teaching false doctrine to others. He forbade her to teach a heresy, uh, which was creating serious problems for the church. She was not the only one who had to be stopped. There were there were also deceived men who deceived others that had to be stopped also. So it was not a matter of gender, but of deception. As we shall see as we go through this epistle. And even in Second Timothy and in the book of Titus. Listen, it is interesting to note that Paul gave several men who was knowingly spreading false doctrine over to Satan. But he handed this particular woman here over to a teacher. He instructs Timothy on how this woman should learn or to be taught. She is to be taught in quietness and full submission. Now, This qualification on how she was, she should learn was not a rebuke. He was not saying that she should just sit down and shut up. The noun used in verses 11 and 12 is related to the word used in verse 2 of this same chapter, where Paul said that the goal of all believers was to live peaceful and quiet lives. Quietness implies compliance with the law rather than resistance, and harmony with one's neighbors rather than hostility, peace rather than argumentation. Paul wasn't requiring anything different of this woman than what he required of every church member in Ephesus throughout this passage. It was the same quality that the men should have when they prayed without anger or disputings, and the women should have also behaving with decency and propriety. In fact, the phrase silence and submission was a frequent formula in the Near East For a model student Before, throughout, and after Paul's time The rabbis were agreed that silence Was an admirable attribute for the pious scholar Every pupil must have a teachable attitude. A man and a woman cannot learn if he or she does not listen and yield to the instructor. This is the same attitude James described when he said everyone should be quick to listen, quick to hear, slow to speak. This attitude makes for the very best of students. We got to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Paul's desire for this particular woman whom he commanded to learn in quietness and submission in verse 11 was that she would become nothing less than that. The very best student. She was to be learning in the same manner as did rabbinic students. For silence was considered a positive attribute for rabbinic students. Paul wanted this particular woman to abstain from teaching and to dedicate herself to study alone. Listen, there are many preachers and teachers, both male and female, today who needs to refrain themselves from teaching and to dedicate themselves to the study of God's word alone. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Then Paul corrects the false teaching of this woman. He corrects the false teaching fable concerning eve by saying for adam was formed first then eve and adam was not deceived but the woman being deceived was in the transgression then he says notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety paul is simply saying this yes a woman named eve was instrumental in kicking off the downfall of humanity But listen, it was also a woman named Mary that was instrumental in kicking off the redemptive plan of God. She brought forth the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Mary's childbearing brought about salvation, reversing what had been done. And because of this, women can be saved by faith and can grow in love and holiness with sobriety. Listen, it's all about Jesus Christ. Because of his birth, death, uh, burial, and resurrection, that both men and women can be saved by fate. Declaring the truth. We are declaring the truth. We are declaring the-